solo episode. Uh, I haven't done one in a while and I think it's because I'm still trying to build confidence in them, which is really funny because every single time I do a solo episode, I love it, especially this season. The few solo episodes I've done have been some of my favorites and I've really loved them and been excited and proud of them. Um, But you know how it goes. You know, eventually the adrenaline subsides, the serotonin subsides, and the cycle repeats, and I get in my head again. So um, let's see how this goes. I have some some things I want to say. I was thinking about that cycle recently, you know, that cycle of like happiness, and then the happiness wears off, and then the anxiety seeps in. And it got me thinking about how that cycle repeats a lot and in a lot of relationships. Oftentimes, I think that women especially have a really hard time not feeling like naggers, if that makes sense. I feel like we really get in our heads regarding constructive criticism or saying, you know, I feel like I'm not being heard or I'm not being seen or the sex isn't, you know, great in this one way. It's triggering me or I'm not getting off or... Um, you know, I don't feel like you're contributing to the house or you're contributing emotionally, whatever it is. Um, you know, we have these feelings or these issues or these things that we want to bring up. And most of the time with the right partner, it goes well. Like most of the time, those conversations and those issues are very well received. But I think oftentimes that high subsides and, you know, the next thing comes up as it does and as they always will because that's life and we get back in that anxiety cycle and um you know we get in our heads again so i've been thinking about that a lot lately and how to kind of start breaking that cycle in my own relationship and even in my own friendships but definitely in my own relationship because i feel like that happens so often for me and for so many people um i recently had a conversation about sex with my partner And it wasn't super positive. And that's not a bad thing. But there were just some things I felt in order to enhance my pleasure and make the overall experience better I wanted to bring up. And one of those things was, for example, my partner is really, really touchy, really lovey, really intense, wants to be like very, very close, loves like skin to skin contact. And while I love that too, sometimes, sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming for me. I'm not sure if it's a trauma response or a sensory thing, but I can start to feel like, you know, smothered a little bit during sex. And this is not something that they're doing wrong at all. It's a very, very personal thing that they could have never known unless I brought it up. But I was so nervous about it because, you know, I essentially was coming to them with notes, right? And the whole time I was like profusely apologizing and saying, you know, I don't want you to get in your head and I'm so sorry if this is going to kill the mood and I don't want you to feel like the whole time that we're, you know, being intimate, you're you're vigorously thinking of all these notes I've given you. And I was just really nervous about it, like killing them either the current mood or the future mood or, you know, them just being like, wow, this is like a lot that I have to like all these rules I have to like, you know, abide by or whatever. And, you know, as usual, as it often goes and going back to this cycle, it was so well received, like, It was 
incredible. The conversation was really, really enlightening for both of us. And I learned things and I felt so good just getting that off my chest. And we had some of the best sex of our relationship after. Some of the best sex. And, um, you know, it was interesting too because afterwards he turned to me and he was like, that conversation was one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with a partner. It was one of the most intimate moments of my life. And I don't know, that just made me feel so good. And I did, you know, I rode that high. And eventually um, this will happen again where something will come up, whether, you know, sexually or in the relationship or whatever, and I'll get in my head again. And I want to get better at really, really reminding myself of these moments and of reminding myself that it's okay to talk about things and to bring things up. And I'm not a nagger and I'm not annoying. And just accepting that it's trust, you know, that's real trust. Trust in your own feelings, trust in your partner, that what you're saying is going to be well received and understood. Um, You know, it's just, it's such true intimacy. And it also kind of interestingly enough made me think about the opposite side of this, right? And how I just went on this whole spiel, right? About how communication is key. It's so important, you know, that we talk about things and I talk about that all the time on the show. But I think in relationships on the opposite end, there's also the art of time and place, And what I mean by that is I think a huge, huge component of healthy relationships is understanding when to not communicate, understanding when it's the right time, understanding when it's the right place, and also understanding that maybe this doesn't need to be communicated. I think oftentimes, uh, you know, it kind of gets drilled in our head to always talk about our feelings and always bring up if something's bothering you or if somebody does something to upset you or hurt you or even annoy you. And I think while that's true oftentimes, I think there's also room for forbearance in relationships. For example, there's this um, this exercise that a lot of relationship coaches and relationship therapists have their clients do. And essentially, you go all day, without bringing something up that has either bothered you or hurt you or any sort of like constructive criticism or note. You can clock it, uh, remember it. Sometimes maybe you need to write it down. It's okay, put it in a note, put it in a notebook. Um, And then have a dedicated time with your partner that you've both agreed on. And that's the time where you can kind of like air everything out. It's a time for airing out that they didn't bring out the trash that day or, you know, they did something during sex the night before that bothered you or they made a little joke that, you know, maybe was a little below the belt and hurt your feelings. Um, and then you take that time to talk about it. And that might be once a week and it might even be once a day. That's totally fine, especially if you're maybe going through it with your partner. I think the important thing about an exercise like that is understanding that even if a constructive criticism is well-received, or even if the thing you're bringing up is really small, those little things all day throughout the day, they wear on a person and they wear on a relationship. And I think that constantly bringing those things up can actually cause a lot of anxiety for both partners, right? Because not only are you having the anxiety of like, okay, I'm about to bring something up that's kind of negative. um, And then you say it. And then the anxiety of like, how is this going to be received? 
And then even if it's well received, even if it's not a big deal, your partner's getting that anxiety of, oh, I did something wrong. It's being brought up. We're having a, you know, slightly negative conversation or maybe an uncomfortable conversation. And again, even if it's really little, those things do affect you. You have three, four in a day. You know, it's exercising forbearance and understanding we're going to talk about this later. I think helps with both of your individuality, both of your independence um, and your own growth, right? Because then you go all day and you're thinking about this deadline for this project or this thing I have to do for work or, you know, being really clear headed and focused at the gym or at yoga or whatever it is. And you kind of get to go about your day and focus on the things you really want to focus on without having to worry about these little grievances or these little things that are being clocked by your partner. And you don't have that feeling of like, are we not talking about things? Because you know you're going to do it later at 7 p.m. every Wednesday or at, you know, 5 p.m. right after work, right before dinner, every night, whatever the case is. Um, having a dedicated space for conversations like that almost always results in really, really super healthy, loving resolutions. It makes for... It's like a test, right? It's like a test you're really prepared for and you go into it and you know you're going to ace it. Um, it you know, just gives you a clear head to be able to be like, this is what we're doing right now. We are going to talk about the things that are bothering us and we're going to find healthy resolutions to them versus somebody coming up to you at lunch and being like, this bothered me or them coming up to you, you know, five minutes before a really important meeting. It's like you have this time and space to kind of reflect on what you did, on how it affected your partner, on, you know, how what they did affected you. And you can kind of like calmly talk it through. I think it also really helps exercise another important aspect of healthy relationships, which is a willingness to put up with someone else's shit. It's like you constantly have these videos or, you know, these interviews with really um, successful couples who have lasted 40 years. And one of the keys is almost always you have to just accept that this is another human and they are going to have flaws and quirks that you don't like and things that annoy you. And sometimes maybe some of those can be worked on, but sometimes it's just a personality trait. And the best relationships are the ones where you can differentiate between things that need to be worked on and things that are just maybe a little different than how do you do it, but like that's their shit and you love them enough to put up with it. I think a lot of things are important to bring up. I think a lot of things are, if not brought up, can genuinely ruin a relationship. They can cause resentment and anger and they can cause a bunch of unnecessary fights. Some things. Another really nice component of this idea of having dedicated time to air out your grievances is oftentimes you'll start to reframe when you have enough time in between when something happens and when you're ready to bring it up. You have time to reframe and a lot of times you'll realize that actually isn't worth bringing up. And I think in the moment it's hard to do that, right? Because you're feeling that emotion, whether it's like anger or frustration or annoyance or whatever. But a lot of times it's something that's so insignificant that you forget about it a half an hour later. And then when you go through your notes, when you're having your moment with your partner, you're going through and you're like, well, I need to talk about this. But like this one is just so not important. I can't believe I even wrote it down. You know, you have that space to kind of like calm down and relax and reflect and reframe and be like, is this worth it? Because I think oftentimes when you bring everything up immediately as it happens, all those things weigh on the person who's being criticized. But 
you're just saying it and then you're going about your day and you don't realize how it affects them when in reality it's something that didn't even need to be brought up in the first place um but that does affect the other person the person being criticized so i think that there's an art to communication that sometimes doesn't involve communicating and yeah i don't know it's just this whole kind of like idea of you know, bringing things up and having like the trust and the intimacy to bring things up while also understanding that maybe it doesn't have to really kind of made me just think in general about like emotion regulation and how important that is. And especially I think in this world where we're always being pushed, right, to like speak our truth and to communicate our feelings, which is true, but also there's like a pendulum swing that I think needs to even out where it's like, we're always being told like you have to bring up everything that bothers you to your partner, communicate, 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 act on your impulsions. It's a universe telling you it's this, it's a sign from God. It's a gut. It's an instinct. And while there is validity in that, and while I do think that it's true, oftentimes, I don't think it's always a gut feeling. I don't think it's always this thing that needs to be brought up. I think a lot of times it's impulsion. I think a lot of times it's a trauma response or an irregulated emotion. And I think emotional maturity sometimes involves learning to not act on those impulsions or those feelings. Um, I have a really hard time with this personally because I love being right. I like to believe that every action I have comes from this like well-informed, authentic, healthy place and that I'm always right. And that has caused problems in my relationships, in my, you know, sexual relationships, in my familial relationships, in my friendships. And it's been really hard for me to take time and to reflect and understand that I am a human just like everyone else. I have lived 30 years on this earth and so I am damaged in some ways. Um, I have emotional wounds like everybody else does and sometimes my brain wants me to act out and sometimes I need to ignore that. So I think learning to catch those moments um, and to say, does this need to be brought up? Does this need to be acted on? Should I be practicing forbearance in this situation? Um, just can be so incredibly beneficial. It also reminds me of uh, the last Q&A I did with Gabby, right? Where we talked about navigating friendships um, where your partner has friendships of the opposite sex, you know? And I think in hetero relationships, it's especially hard for women when their partner who is a man has friends that are women because, you know, we've been ingrained to have this idea that every other woman is competition in some way. Um, comparison of other women, you know, deep mistrust. Um, it's really, really hard to navigate when your boyfriend has a close relationship with a female sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. And I think that oftentimes I've noticed when I was younger, those kind of relationships can cause you to act out, right? And this goes back to like the irregulated emotions. I was recently talking to someone who was telling me about their ex. And I was like, was your ex comfortable with you having friends of the opposite sex? And they were like, on the surface, yes. If you asked them, they would say yes. But it was one of those situations where they wouldn't outright hate it, but they would be a little bit colder toward that female friend than the other people in the room. Or they'd get a little quieter. They'd be a little off. And you know when you're in a relationship with someone who's like very insecure or emotionally immature and they do that thing when something bothers them that they know shouldn't bother them 
where they start to act a little bit different. They're just a little off. And you you end up having that fight where you're like, what's wrong? I know something's wrong. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like nothing's wrong. But they're obviously acting a little bit wrong. But it's like not enough for you to like tangibly point out they're like, what am I doing? And you're like, I don't know. You're just being off. It's like one of the most frustrating fights in the world. I, I hate it. I've had that fight so often when I was younger. And that absolutely goes back to emotional immaturity and this inability to regulate your emotions, right? It's this stunt where they're obviously acting different. They're low energy or they're snippy, but they're gaslighting you into this idea that they're not. And I think oftentimes that's a defense mechanism. It's for me, at least it was oftentimes, I know I shouldn't be mad about this. I know this shouldn't be a big deal, but I can't help it. And So I'm trying not to act up, but I am, but I don't want to admit it. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I think that sort of behavior um, is a perfect example of like refusing to regulate your emotions. And that can be so detrimental to relationships in a lot of ways, honestly. I just think that like I'm trying harder lately to be extremely aware of not only what I'm feeling, but I think why I'm feeling it. You know, it's like this idea of an iceberg and how like anger is an iceberg, right? And most icebergs are three fourths underwater and you can only see the tip. And I think for me so often anger is that tip, right? It's just the tip. But what is underneath? What's the rest of the iceberg? Is it hurt? Is it mistrust? Is it trauma? Is it anxiety? You know, it's like anger usually is just the tip of the iceberg. And there are so many other emotions coming out underneath. And that's an example specifically of anger, but there's so oftentimes when like jealousy is the tip. What's causing that jealousy? You know, anger is the tip. What's causing that anger? And yeah, I'm just trying to be better at sort of before I act on my emotions, understanding them. Where do they come from? Why am I feeling this way? Is it something that somebody else is doing or is this a me thing? Is this something I need to work on on my own or is something I need to bring up to my partner? Um, And, you know, practicing forbearance. There's also an empathy aspect to this, right? It's like I'm upset, so I'm going to act on it and I'm going to make sure that my partner knows it. Valid? Sometimes, of course. But emotional regulation requires the critical thinking to say, I love my partner enough that I'm going to take a minute to feel this feeling for myself, to decipher it, to understand where it's coming from, and then to make the emotionally mature decision to either act on it or to not, depending on whether they deserve it. You know, it's like empathy. I think sometimes our partners deserve to know when they've hurt us. And sometimes it's totally a you thing. And while it's important to communicate with your partner when you're having those feelings. I think acting off or weird and refusing to talk to them about it, but still kind of making them responsible for your emotional response is so not okay. We've all been on the other side of somebody being off, right? It's like the worst feeling in the world when they refuse to talk to you and you just know, you can tell that something is off. It's terrible. It sucks. And sometimes we deserve that, right? Sometimes we've done something wrong and maybe we're in public and they can't bring it up or whatever the case. But sometimes it's just a really, really unregulated emotional response from the other person that they don't know how to handle. And it's so important, I think, when you're on that side of the coin to empathize with how our emotions are affecting our partner, you know? And 
whether that's our hurt, our jealousy, our trauma, there's a certain responsibility in partnerships, right? There is an understanding like I'm choosing you as my person. I am responsible for, you know, some of your happiness. I'm responsible for, you know, mostly being 50%, but also understanding that sometimes you can only give 10% that day and I'm going to give 90% and that's cool. And then on there, there's going to be a day eventually where I can only give 10% and you're going to give 90%. There's an understanding, right, of that like give and take in relationships and of the responsibility you have to put up with your partner's shit. And to understand that they're going to, you know, not always act perfectly. Um, and they're, you know, not always going to make the right decisions. But you can't expect your partner to be everything for you. And you sure as hell can't expect your partner to take on every single fleeting emotion that you have. Um, you know, to be their partner, to be their therapist, to be their healer, to be their coach, to be their cheerleader. And you know, all the time. You're eventually always going to be that person for them in some case or the other. But you can't expect your partner to be everything for you all at once Um, because they're their own person too, right? And they have their own shit and their own priorities and their own things going on and their own feelings and their own traumas. Um, And I think sometimes empathy gets lost the longer you're in a relationship with someone because they become your person, right? Your person, they become your best friend. They become the most important person in your life, the person that knows everything about you. You're intimate with your partner level that you're not really with other people. And you sometimes, I've done this before, lose sight of the fact that they cannot be everything for you all at once. And then this sort of got me thinking about the idea of like true intimacy, right? Like let's say you've done all this. You've like regulated your emotions you guys don't really fight often anymore. When you do, it's really healthy and you're super comfortable. You essentially know like, you know, everything about them. I guess you can never know everything about someone, but you get to that really, really, really comfortable time in a relationship. And often I get people writing on the podcast worried about this, either worried about how they're going to handle when that happens or they're in it and they don't know how to handle it because I think you get to a level of a relationship that's so comfortable that you're like, is this boredom? Is something missing? Is there no spark? And, you know, there's this contradictory idea in long-term relationships about like wanting them to be your person that you can rely on, that you're so comfortable with, but still wanting this like air of mystery. Um, It got me thinking about this idea that Esther Perel is one of my favorite sex educators put out where she essentially asked people in very long-term relationships like 10 years or more when do you still feel excited and drawn to your partner and it was so funny because I'll go through them but all of the you know top times that people feel most drawn to their partner is when they do exercise this idea of independence and understanding that like their partner is not going to hit every single box, check every single box, be every single person they need, that they need to find that elsewhere, just in friendships and hobbies, you know, normal things, nothing problematic. Um, But, you know, there's this incredible quote she says, which is, desire resists confinement and commitment mustn't swallow freedom whole. And that really, really stuck with me. I think a lot of times people, you know, they worry about the otherness of their partner, of the things they don't know, of the things that they can't give them, of, 
you know, the relationships they have outside of it, the interests they have outside of the relationship. And it can really kind of bring up this, you know, fear in us, this idea because we've been taught that we need to be everything for our partner, which is not true and is detrimental to relationships. But because we've been taught that when we can't give something to our partner and they need to find it elsewhere, which is totally fine and totally healthy, it's really scary. It's, it's you know, it brings up curiosity. It brings up fear. It brings up almost like FOMO, for lack of a better term. Um But it's just a really funny double-edged sword because we also want to keep that spark alive and we want to feel like there's an air of mystery to our partner and we want to know that like, you know, it just, it was so funny going through, so enlightening going through um, the times that people in long-term relationships felt super drawn to their partner because it always kind of like landed on this place of their independence. Um, For example, one of them was like, seeing your partner in their element, right? And this idea that when they're like doing something that you don't maybe know how to do, right? Whether it's like their job or they're doing like a big speech or they're like working on something and they're fucking crushing it and being like, damn, like, you know what you're doing. I don't know what the hell this is about, but like, it's really hot watching you do it. Seeing your partner like in their flow state, seeing your partner have this like confidence about something is so sexy and it's such a turn on. Um, and, you know, just watching your partner be engaged in something really independently, really engaged. Um, it's it's this passion and it's very, very sexy, but it it lands right in this idea of independence. Like, I don't know really what you're doing, but you're fucking crushing it. And it's really hot to watch you do something that I can't do. It's like when my partner, you know, works on the house and does something, you know, works with the electric saw or something that I like don't want to and can't do. And they're really good and they know what they're doing and they complete a task and they do it exactly the way that I dreamed in my head. I'm like, that is so hot. I don't want to learn how to do that. I don't want to do it with you, but I love you know, watching you do it. I love watching you be proud and excited and hardworking at something. That goes back, I think, for me a lot to like letting go of this impulse to know everything that they know and to take care of of everything for them and kind of like basking in like their independence and their shine. You know what I mean? Um, I think another one that's huge that gets brought up all the time, which is so funny because, you know, we hate to be away from our partners, but is... A big time that people desire their partner most in long-term relationships is when they're apart and then they reunite. You know, it's like I've joked about this a lot with my partner being a musician is like touring as hard as it is, is really beautiful because like that feeling when they come back after not seeing them for a long time is so intense and so amazing. At the end of the day, too much closeness can impede desire. It's just the truth. And being around someone all the time, it wears on a relationship sexually, you know, and mysteriously. And having time apart can be really, really nice. It makes you kind of like revisit your imagination. Like remember in the beginning of a relationship when like you haven't had sex yet and you were thinking about it all the time and wondering how it would be. It kind of like sparks that again in a really, really, really fun way. And then the last one that just really kind of resonated with me that I thought was important to share was one of the answers was when I see them through the eyes of another. And I've talked about this a little bit on the show, especially early days, about how myself even sometimes and friends of mine, we love the idea of watching our partner get hit on or watching our partner flirt with someone else. And not in a polyamorous way, not in an open relationship way, but just in a way of like, 
knowing that they're being, knowing that somebody else is interested in them, knowing that somebody else sees the beauty in them, the light in them that you see, but you get to take them home. There's something about that that's so sexy. And knowing that you're not the only one who finds your partner attractive, but that you're the only one who gets to be intimate with them or know them on that deep level. Um, it's not even always sexual. It's not even always flirty. Sometimes it's just like seeing them through the eyes of their colleagues who really respect them, right? Um, at a party when they're just lighting up a room and you know being really funny, making people laugh. Seeing our partner through the eyes of another kind of like reminds us of what we first saw in them, you know, and this idea of like, wow, this person has so many incredible qualities. Like, could this be my person? It's, it really kind of like reignites this sexual, exciting desire. So I think like a lot of times too, intimacy is incredible and like deep, close relationships with someone where you're totally trusting is amazing. But it's also important, I think sometimes to remember that they are an independent person. They have their own mystery and almost keeping that, stranger alive in some ways through independence through you know empathy through space um is so important it's like an intrinsic part i think of keeping a long-term relationship alive there's a very very i guess this episode is a lot about balance right balancing communication versus forbearance um balancing you know being open about your feelings with empathizing with how your partner might take it, balancing deep intimacy with keeping independence alive. I think it's all a balancing act. And um, I know a lot of these solo episodes tend to end up being sort of a tangent and sort of me being like, and that reminded me of this and this reminded me of that. But I genuinely enjoy doing them. Um, I'm not sure how fun it is now that I'm recording video for the podcast on my YouTube channel, how fun it is to watch me just kind of like speak into the air. Um, but I enjoy doing them. I hope you do too. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to um, to practice balance in your relationships, to practice independence, to practice intimacy, to practice forbearance, to practice communication. It's a lot of practice. It's a lot of work. Relationships are a lot of work. They are. Uh, the myth that when you find your person, it will be easy is false and it's dangerous and we don't like it around here. And I'll keep saying it. Um, relationships are hard work, but they're worth it. That's a little cheesy. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna end this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave it a good rating. Leave this a like. It really helps me out. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.